Welcome to The Solution, a real estate podcast where Jeff Seabock and myself, Phil Sexton, we come together with mics between us to talk about the industry. And as my intro gets longer, I feel like each time it makes it harder and harder to do in one breath. Nice. However, today's topic, which is five keys to getting your offer accepted in a low inventory and market is uh, one that we've been talking about still. Yeah. Well, even I though inventory is doubled. Well, I think that there's a lot of conversation out there that demand has come off the peak and people are forgetting because what happens is it's not whether you know of them, if you try and think of it, just whether you use them regularly, right? Right. Because as we talk on the, in our team platform, we hear lots of people and as we're going through scenarios, do we often, we often hear that they didn't include some of the things that we talked about. So it's just a, a, a revisit because, you know, I, I don't think we're going to see a onslaught of supply anytime soon. So it still requires this. And it's, it's hard because it makes the job of the agent harder, but it's let's get to it so we can help them out. All right. So you got a client that you have that wants to write an offer they tell you, you go, you show the house, whatever it is. Number one, what is the most important thing on your list? And to, I'd like to know the timing of it. Is it like pre-offer, post-offer, during offer? Well, I mean, to me, it, it was it's agent to agent communication, meaning your communication with the listing agent is the thing that I think of is the, the most important thing. And it's even tougher with teams because it's not knowing who is the person. Because I have some people that will call on our listing and not knowing who's the right person on the team that manages the offers for the client. Right. Yes. Exactly. So you may, it's why you got to start early in finding that out is who's doing the negotiation, who's actually talking to the client, because that's the person that knows. And then it's your agent to agent communication with that person. Yeah. I think that, um, during that first one, agent to agent communication, it's important that you sell your client and the ability of your client to close on the property as well. That's exactly what it is, is, is one, the reason why it's called communication, because that means you're actually talking to them and to understand it's hard because a lot of times agents try and shield themselves from, from, from people, but it's why you want to start you know, because your credibility really comes into factor here. And it's hard because if you're new, you may not have any, but then it's still just everything that you say and everything that you're talking to the other agent about, they're building their image of you. Like, are you a dingbat? Are you sharp, but you haven't sold anything? Like you, as a listing agent, you automatically build opinions right as soon as somebody talks to you. And it's actually, we see the ones that are getting accepted are the ones that that communicate early and often yeah. and that they they um, put together a solid offer. We're going to get the other things. But, it, you know, it's hard because if you don't sell a lot of houses, you have to be crisp. You have and it's it's hard when you haven't. So, yeah, I thought one of the comments that we heard this week was whenever the, this one particular agent has a cross sale, always save the agent's information in your phone. 
because you never know when you're going to be presenting an offer on their property in the future. It's nice to be able to rehash the, oh yeah, you do know that I'm an agent that can get deals done because we've done one together before. Yeah. Right. When they call you. Or even when you, I mean, to me, why it matters is because when you're going out to say, see the property, hopefully everybody's going out to see the property, but when you're going out to see the property, you have that choice of reaching out and you have that choice to start to put their phone number in your, like, the point is, is, you know, if the home's close to what your buyer wants. Right. Right. So on that, when it's there, you, you, you know, that you start talking to that agent. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Yes. Okay. Number because, two. because before the, before, you know, I mean, hopefully you're seeing it day zero, hopefully you're seeing it pre-sale or, you know, you're seeing it right away. So you, you, cause once the offers start rolling in, you're not going to get in touch with the listing agent. That's going to be yeah. hard unless you've had rapport with them already. And I think that agents, they're like, oh, they won't talk to me. Well, you showed up after 36 hours, hours on the market and they're already talking to three or four people and that's all they got time to talk to. Unfortunately, you were late and now you ruined your agent agent communication thinking it's not you because you called them 17 times. Yeah, but they're good. They've got five people that are ready to write that they've had communication with earlier. Right. Yeah. Right. And it, yeah. Agent to agent communication, a critical number one. It's just, it, I guess the way to say it is, is when we see accepted deals, the most common thing we hear is successful agent, agent communication got it done. And, you know, um, it's not all pre-deal that that happens sometime or pre-offer that that happens. Sometimes the agent to agent communication is during when there's other offers there. Oh, it's absolutely, and, but you got to make sure that they're picking up your call. So if you yeah. call and waste their time early on, then they're right. Like if you go on and on, like to me, be courteous of their time, be, understand that they're going to have a lot of traffic. And then when you communicate, be ready for the communication, make sure you got your stuff written out and your questions. Cause you know, like to me, not realizing that, Maybe if you're too just trying to build rapport with them and, you know, like maybe that's not what they, they want. Yeah, yeah. Right. All right. Number two, this one, man, we've had, be sure it's received. That's so simple. It's so simple. It's so like, it's too simple. Yeah. I think it's harder now with the multiple offers and obviously we're dealing with this, but in multiple offers, you know, it can offers can slide through, right? So it's received, but then also, you know. Um, I think this goes back to the thing that's, that you mentioned already. And that is who's the one that's gonna be presenting the offers. Because sometimes on Teams, you may get a received response, but you don't know who the person is that's communicating with the client about those contracts. And so, yes, you may get a TC response, but do you actually want to fight harder to get, make sure that that agent who's negotiating the contracts got the offer too? Yeah, absolutely. Number three. So received by the person that's negotiating the offer, not just right. Yeah. So, yep. Okay. Number three. Competitive. Make sure that your offer is competitive. Yes. That's a big one. Well, that's I, a big term. That's a big one word. Yes. Well, the thing is, is it's, uh, it's hard to know what actually competitive is, right? Like we, we, we see, or we hear about a lot of deals and the agent felt that we were being competitive and it's hard when you're not being competitive to, I mean, the comment we talked about in last podcast with Grant Cardone saying outsiders move markets, outsiders are moving our markets and those people think it's a good deal and you can't believe that that neighborhood selling at that price. 
right? So it, it's it's uh, a lot of pressure on you helping your client because more importantly, it's whether the client understands what they have to do to be competitive or not. Right. And I think competitive, it's, it's funny because I think it kind of ties into the next one, but like we've had agents that got ghosted with full price offers or with over ask offers. And how is that even possible? Well, the answer is you weren't competitive, right? You, you got smoked. That's feedback. Yes. Sometimes no feedback is feedback. Yes. Feedback is that you were not aggressive enough. Right. right. And it's mostly talking about price and they see it in things like, um, not understanding, uh, the impact of contingencies. Right now, when I say that, mostly everybody thinks is a you know, uh, on a listed house, but it's also the contingencies in your offer, right? Because understanding and being competitive, the seller is looking for an offer that's in their best interests. That's what makes it competitive or not. And then also that the deal will get done. And that's usually what the agent cares more about is, is this deal going to happen? Right? So you may not be competitive in the sense of, uh, you know, if you don't sell a lot of houses and they don't think that you're going to be competitive, you might have to be more competitive. Your offer has to yeah. be substantially above the others yeah, because they might go with somebody that does a lot of deals and they know that it's going to get, because the question is more is for the lit, because there's, there's two pieces, right? Because you have the seller, but then you have the listing agent that pushes the seller one way or the other when it's close. Not always, but the, you know, it, it leads to you doing enough research on who is the listing agent. Is the listing agent selling two houses a year? And then you know it's more, probably the seller's got more influence. If you're working with Robert Jaffe, I believe that he's gonna, like he's an elite luxury agent in our marketplace, sells $100 million a year. He's gonna have more influence, you know, and he may, but he may be like, I'm not, I have no influence because when you're working in the luxury market, usually it's the seller that makes the, the they, they could. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But I think number four on our list, which we're blazing through our list today, this, well, is, we're, this is where we're going to get this, stuck. This, right. Well, because, and it also ties into number three. It's just the, in setting it up, if you don't execute one, two, and three, well, you, four doesn't matter. And fours. And it's hard because everybody wants to talk about number four, but terms. Terms, right. The terms of the deal. Yes. So you can have a competitive deal or a non-competitive deal. Well, I mean, we had a cash offer this week that our agents, the buyer was like, I'm cash. Over ask. Over ask. Didn't get a response, lost the deal. And that, you know, that's, we got an offer on one of our listings cash over ask but they got smoked by a financed offer right right wasn't that yes yeah. it happens and so then that cash over ask is like how did i not win this deal like you put yourself on the other side which a lot of agents do they're like man i've been a buyer's agent in this market and that's so hard i hate to reject all of these offers i want to help everybody right yes but at the end of the day the listing agent who's the listing agent's client the seller the seller so we've got to stick up for what's best for the seller not unfortunately look out for what's best for our fellow realtors when you're in a deal like this. Right. So some of the terms that um, uh, we've been hearing a lot about with the, obviously the additional uh, clause addendum, which has come out into play a lot lately with the um, non-refundable earnest money with the appraisal waivers, 
Like I know, but I think well, let's let's list them out, right? Yeah. So to me, um, you have in our contract, and if thank you if you're listening from out of state, but it's so we call them contingencies, right? So you have title, right? You have HOA contingency, you have inspection, you have appraisal if there's a loan. Um, and then you have CCNRs. You've got well, spuds. Spuds. There you go. Is there one more? Am I missing one? I thought there's. Let's ask the crowd. What did? It yeah, I have spot the financing. Financing. Appraisal. Financing. There you go. That's six. Okay. Good. Right. So title, HOA, inspection, appraisal, spuds, and financing—all things that the buyer in our in Arizona purchase contract allow the buyer to clue get clue report. Clue report. Yeah, but we're gonna do clue in fair you know in fair a clue is but it's usually resolved in the inspection period i guess it's not i mean yeah. fair you could do clue um but it's uh are you waiving the term the, the contingency the contingency Any of the right yes i mean because we yeah. just saw one where um our buyer was you know because what we found out this week because we had one where the the home didn't appraise twice they waived the appraisal and then they canceled because they didn't qualify right well we're taking that one to mediation because that was clearly uh misled but the reality is is when the buyer wants out they're going to want to use one of these things but it speaks to the thing that the the seller wants certainty so but mostly what does the seller care about in these contingencies whether they're going to get to keep the earnest money if it falls out or not. Well, of course, right? <laughs> right. And then it's the what's not on there is the I guess it's not number five. Maybe it's number six would be. I guess that's it's still terms. Amount of earnest money would be a term, I guess. Yeah. Right. right. But no, I meant that the yes, uh, is it going to close for sure? And you know it's hard because you're a buyer's agent and you fit you. You have the buyer like, you know, they're not going to cancel. You're trying to sell them on it. But these these contingencies exist. Yeah. And when it comes down to it, they're going to cancel because of it. No matter like to me, it's just get over the idea is, is that so you got to, you know, can you waive the title contingency? Because title is one that lasts longer than a lot, especially now with shortened inspection periods. Yeah. Right. Like well, that. you say that because we because why? <laughs> I say that because we had a buyer that was. Hold on, hold on, wait a minute. I want the story. I want the story. But first, Adam, I see the sign. I appreciate Adam, our producer. Right, <laughs> Lena, you're in here as well. Shout out to both of you guys. Thank you for actually. You know what? Thank you. Let's roll a commercial real quick. Let's okay. take a quick commercial right. break because I want to hear your story. Teams and large producing agents are the overwhelming minority in real estate, with no collective voice or recognition of our influence. Isn't it time we have a voice? If we band together and act together, we will hold the power for positive change, not them. If you agree, sign your pledge of support today at realestateleopard.com. Welcome back, guys. We appreciate you hanging around during our commercial. Man, it's Jeff. why we it's why we like holding this podcast because we just see a lot more deals than most people. And so go ahead. No, your yeah. your story. All right. So we have a buyer's agent that's representing uh, a buy, and 
um, unfortunately, you know, he presented the, what is it called? The buyer advisory. Yeah. So he presented the buyer advisory and they went home and they looked up the sexual Predator predators website. in, in yeah. the area, but agents, a newer agent and the, they were pat, they submitted their inspections because they had to at day five, I think, or, or six, short inspection, short inspection period. Okay. Um, and they happen to be in an HOA that actually got docs out early, which is usually I'm not, not that right. Yeah. Because what it is, but we but the buyer said after they submitted the buyer's inspection notice, which is the one bite at the apple, right? I don't know if you've heard that before, but once you, usually once you get past that, you have finance, but um, it was, uh, it was cash. Okay. So no financial contingency. We signed the spuds, right? Yeah. Uh, our buyer waived the appraisal. Yeah, cash. Right, yeah. Right. yeah. Exactly. So our and then they find out after the inspection period had ended because well, they submitted their binzer. That's when they identified that there was a sexual predator in the area, and they said to their agent, "Well, they, it was just an issue that they, uh, they I want out. They they had known about it because they actually included it on an inspection notice that they wanted some extra security measures because of the sexual predator living in the neighborhood. So clearly they knew about it, but it became a material issue." After a few days of, oh, my God, we got grandkids are going to be over and we're just nervous, right? They want to play outside and we just don't feel comfortable. And um, so we were looking for ways to get out our buyer because we represent the buyer. And um, we were, you know, I was checking them off. I'm like, appraisal, check, inspection, check. Like we're going through all the things to try and be out. And the only one that, you know, because now you're in the, and this isn't the topic of the podcast, but, you know, you're like, okay, so did they update the spuds after we submitted the binzer and had the inspection for the items that were inspection? Can we ask them to update the spuds? Because then that renews the contingency on the spuds. And now it gives us five more days to cancel, right? Like we're deep in this thing and we want to get out. And of course, cause the, um, the uh, agent, uh, our agent, told their agent after they submitted the Binzer, hey, um, they want to cancel. And he's like, well, too bad your earned money's hard now, is what he said. And, of course, then that made me just want to find whatever reason. Out. Yeah. And it turned out to be title was, I mean, they ended up keeping the property, so we didn't have to get there. But title, the title report did not come out until day 11 or day 12 which was freaking awesome right because we had the five, window was still open the window the was still, money. yeah exactly so but we didn't have to but the point of it is is that in this conversation of the five keys, keys to getting your offer accepted is you got to get your client to waive these things to eliminate as many of the contingencies as possible right so, so that you give certainty to that seller and that listing agent that you will close right and but they always pay attention to the high line items right like for instance because things like you can wait i as long as i kept the inspection period of being 10 days I'm okay or to waive the appraisal. To waive the appraisal because I can get the appraisal done. So you actually don't need that contingency 
because you can get it done during the inspection period as long as you leave that one long enough. And you can, you know, uh, things like um, we're not going to, we're not, we're going to take the property as is as a statement, but yet not canceling the section. Like there's just things that you can do depending on how smart the agent is, but knowing that you're leaving a door open to lose because you, you know, when you say, I'm not going to do any, um, I'm not going to ask for any repairs. We know that you can still ask in our contract if you haven't waived that clause. So, yeah. but the point I, is, is that you, these are the six items that you have to um, address. Like the after, like, but you can be like all, all contingencies are waived after day six or after day 10, right? Like things to be super strong. Cause then you're saying, cause now you're telling that seller. But that's just like saying you're, well, let's go non-refundable earnest money after day six, right? Because at the end of the day, you could still not no. I, I yes, I think it's better to. Uh, I think the strongest way to 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 win is to offer your earnest money hard right from the start at acceptance. Right, all of it or a portion of it, all whatever your client can allow. Yeah, right. Like because the thing is, is um, I see. Just I think a portion that of it, even just a portion of it, right? Even three grand or two grand or five grand or even $500 just to say something that I'm confident that we're going to walk from some money, you know, we're and also we're going to close on your house because the key is, is that you, you don't know that that agent or that seller is that educated on all the stuff that we've been talking about. That's true. And that, so um, when you're looking to set yourself apart, because I don't, we don't see many deals where they're waving their earnest money up front. I mean, Correct. we saw one earlier this year where the house was listed at one three, and they said we'll give you a hundred thousand non-refundable, but our offer is going to be one one, right? So yeah, you get a hundred thousand, we cancel. But if I get it for one one, I ain't going to cancel, right? Because I got a steal, right? Yeah. Like duh. Yeah. I mean, but. The point of this is to so that you may need to introduce earned money being non-refundable to the seller, to the buyer, to the to the buyer, oh, to the listing agent in your offer. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you yeah. want to say, look at we're willing to thousand dollars for it to be because it, it, it's especially when you have someone that's written one offer, two offers, three offers. Because my thought is always, if I'm an agent and my buyer doesn't want to do it, I'd be like, I'll tell you what. If you want to cancel, I'll and you buy the next house with me, I'll refund it on the next deal. I will discount my commission and credit you a thousand on the next deal because that might be the one thing that shows certain because it because it shows certainty. We're not going to cancel. Yeah. And then, but it's worth it because you got to get them sometimes. You have people like, well, I can't waive appraisal and I can't do this and I got a contingency. Like you you have to be able to stake something in the ground to, to try and win. And um, the other thing is, is I think earn, higher earnest money often influences sellers more than I think it should. I mean, in, in our contract, earnest money does not change hands often. Right. Is that fair? I mean, not in our roof, not like, I mean. Yeah, you mean that the most buyers don't lose their earnest money. Right. Because the contract's written in such favor of the buyer. There's so many ways to get out and get your earnest money back. Yes. It's rare that it gets uh, 
lost. Right. And it's our job as a as quality agents. Everybody on the podcast knows that you're a quality agent, so are we, right? Because we're listening to this, we're going through the details. But that that higher number influences sellers. Like if you want to win, coming in with 50,000, you know, now you have to be careful because then they want it. They want that money because then it gets added on, to, you know, I mean, so uh, you got to make sure you want it. But I think if you go non-refundable with, you know, obviously if it's 50,000, you might need to be non-refundable with 2,500 or 5,000 or 10,000 or 20,000 because obviously you got a lot of money, right? But if you have a higher amount of earned money, it does make you look stronger, even though you got six contingencies. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, so a tactic might be, okay, well, I'll waive appraisal and I'll waive, um, I'll, I won't ask for any, no repairs. And then I'll come in with super high earnest money, knowing that I got these things in my pocketbook, meaning HOA, if there is one, uh, cancel for spuds. And then, I mean, a, I think a good tactic higher, higher is also money. asking for a spuds change before the inspection period's up. That's a loaded gun. <laughs> I think that um, do you with me? Yes, right. because so you get five extra days, right? But you also, I mean, the other tactic there though is to if you're if you need a few extra days to cancel, is that what you're talking about? I'm just like, yeah. If you then know, why don't then why don't you just submit them a binzer that is ridiculous that they're never going to say yes to? Because well, if, when they respond to you, you have five days uh, to, to figure out whether uh, you're going to do that or not. Well, I mean, here's the thing: is is on that, yeah, no, that was the error on our agent side is they did not submit. Because I think if you know that your client has an issue, if you want it to say, if you want to help be truly helping them, that you would submit always one item on there that they can't say yes to. Yes to like right? a new roof. Like, a, yeah, right. Or like, yes, something like yeah. that. Right. Three new AC units. Or, or, or maybe if it doesn't have a barbecue grill. And yeah, you, yeah. you you thought it had one and, and they need one. And right? a built-in barbecue grill. A built-in barbecue grill. Yeah. Yes. Nice. Wow. Yes. Number three and number four combined together, the competitive and the terms are really what's it's the ball game. Like you can actually you can actually screw up all the other ones if your offer is competitive and your terms are good enough. Yeah, usually as long as you're competitive with the the offer, meaning price and terms, which is why it has to be its own. Yeah. And I didn't want to just say price because it's not always price because you can have a high price, but a contingency. And you can have a low price, but a lease back. Right. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Terms lease back. We didn't throw that one out there. Right. Because that was what we saw now. And we even saw terms being I will pay for seller's closing costs. Right. Like when you're rolling out the terms, it's just like everything's on the table. Right. I mean, to me, you know, just look at a look at an old HUD or look at an old closing disclosure that states all the things that the like, like, okay, we'll pay for the seller's title insurance. We'll pay for the seller's, you know. Yeah. Seller doesn't have to prorate back taxes or whatever. Right. It, that, that does not, though, give certainty like non-refundable earnest money. Right. Right. Because non-refundable earnest money is the thing of, you know, and pass through the seller. Yep. Right. Like yep. Uh, uh, we're so confident, like the warm and fuzzy that that gives a seller is. It's not free for them to take Like the, their fear is that they take their house off of the market and then it cancels. And then they're stuck there with no more money that no earnest money that they got to keep. 
they have to put their house back on the market and do it all over again after they just wasted two weeks of going through whatever they went through. Yeah. And the beauty of it is, is when you write it out, now it gives them a chance to negotiate it as well. Cause they didn't know that that was an item that they could negotiate. Meaning if you said, Hey, we're going to let five, we're going to put $5,000 earnest money and we're going to let 500 of it be non-refundable at least then, cause you just want to be talking so that you can win. Yeah. Right. Like now you've introduced an item that the other ones hasn't. Now, if you're not competitive, they just steal your item and they put it on the other offer. Right. Cause we do that a lot. Right. Like when there's, you know, when you talk to a, uh, an agent, when you, you mean when you're talking to the seller and they said, well, I wish that that one had that. Right. As the seller is looking right. at all I their mean, offers. It, it, we can say, well, we can ask, we can ask, can you do, can you add this term into your offer? And then, then they go back. Right. To and why client. it's competitive is no, you have to understand at your price point, which is the amount of terms that you need to be offering. And now, as you know, it's like, you know, the things are okay. It's uh, overpriced by 50,000. And now it's sat on the day on the market, 12 days. Okay. Now do I have to offer all, like, that's where the competitive is understanding that, you know, do I have to waive everything and be high? And no, I mean, it's just the, that's up for you to understand if it's at, 250 then you might need to be you know you might need to be cash and you might need to waive all the stuff and give money like yeah because they're getting 10 offers and maybe one from the agent right like and then now you're competing against the agent's deal and now you need to be way overboard yeah yeah um number five number five yes educating consumer pre-offer right this is the one that is uh hardest for agents to understand yeah yeah it's hardest i think agents get it it's just they're not sure what to say like what do you mean by educate my buyer pre-market of course they know that this i i do that already yeah well if you're losing apparently you're not doing it well enough right so that's what we're trying to help people out with but the thing is is there's a psychology of the deal and in the psychology of the deal, as soon as you start writing, it actually, I think it starts as soon as the buyer likes the house. When they see that property and they're like, this is the one. Right. right. They call it commission breath. Okay. Is that the agent becomes a salesperson, not a teacher. Right. At the point in which the buyer likes the house and wants to make an offer, you are now their friend, but a competitor because they're nervous because agents have commission breath. And you're saying increase your offer to your client and your client is like, no, let's offer less. Yes. Right. And so now you you're like, out. wave the title, wave the thing. And they're looking at you like, is, is she, you know, pushing me because she's shown me 30 houses in this hot market. And I haven't bought one. And that skepticism is there, whether you want it to be or not. And that the strategy that I found most successful is to um, pre-educate, pre-educate before they get excited about a house. Right. So Jeff, what is pre-education? Pre-education is when is understanding what the buyers using for their sources of information and are those sources credible or not right like uh give you an example so um 
I had one where the agent came to me. Uh, we were in a conference room and she's like, I wrote six offers and I can't get my client to, you know, to, to offer high enough. Yeah. And I said, okay, did you go through the, I, we have a booklet that we put together of market stats to educate the buyer on that we have agents use. And she's like, um, well, the parents, like I had a dig, I had a dig and, and it was the parent that was making the buy, not the buyer. Right. Because the parents was loaning the money, giving them money to buy the and house. The parents were negotiating it, even though the parents weren't talking to the agent. And so they educate themselves off of the news media. Yes. Rather than the stats. Right. They and, think they bought 10 houses in their life. They mm-hmm. know that you never offer. No. Well, the last time they bought and they bought 10 houses, the market was 2014 and they were able to offer 20,000 off. Right. Right. That they've never seen a market like this. So I said, you need to go present the market information, ask the parents, because the, the simple thing is this, is ask the buyer or whoever is the buyer, meaning is it mom, is it the sister, or is it the client, or is it the wife, or is it the husband, is it the, you know, whoever, right? Um, where do you where do you get your information on the market? And most people say, hold the audience. Where do people get their information from? Maybe Eric, Michael, Suzette, anyone else? When you're asking a client, you want to know, like a buyer in the right, room, because I, I, and they come in with a predetermined idea of what the market is doing. You dig. I dig. And where, what, and you need to what, dig. What led to that predetermined idea? Right, because they get it somewhere. And I just want to, I mean, because what it is, is even when I present them the market charts on where it's at, and, and I mean a market they, chart. I know what they say. It's, it's supply. It's dem- how many homes are selling this month versus last month. How many compared to last year charts? If you- Jeff, I've been watching the market. Okay. We got a chat. I've been watching. What'd you get? We got a chat. What did what does it say? Suzette said where their what their friends are saying, common news. Oh, the neighbor. Common yes. news. Common Both. news. Good job, Suzette. Right. Nice. I actually interviewed an agent this week and he said, I, you know, he was a new agent to the industry and he said, I've been watching this market. And I said, Oh, nice. Where have you been watching it? I've been paying a lot of attention to Zillow and I have seen what is going on in this marketplace. I've been watching the prices. I've been seeing their charts and he now knows convinced himself that he knows exactly what is going on in this marketplace because of the education he gave himself by watching Zillow. Well, but I mean, that's every buyer now, right? Because the thing is, is what we're seeing is, is that they used to go to the agent and now they go to the internet to, to sort educate themselves. And because the internet has lots of information, they believe they're educated. So go on. And they believe the agents. No, I'm just saying Zillow is another Yeah, source. Zillow, friends, news. news Zillow, yes. CNBC, right. whatever. Like, okay. Yes. And the, the key, why it's key is because you need to get those out. Because uh, when, when they say news, who are they actually talking about? They're talking about the Associated Press, right? Because the news follows the bulleted. Like, I don't watch news anymore. But. No, but the Associated Press loves Case Schiller. Case Schiller just happens to be 90 days old. Right, exactly. And, but sometimes Case Schiller can be your best friend. But it's your job before you make more, before you're making offers for you to sit down with that buyer and talk to them about what's going on and to show them pictures, not just 
tell them. Well, not and, not just, well, I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, well, I showed them the comps and they printed out that CMA that has a hundred houses on it. And it's just, you know, it's, it's not visual enough. You have to, to use visual graphs and charts. Like we like the comp report here locally, but because it puts it in the charts because it impacts people because when they see it, it changes their mind. And that's what the, the, the point is here is that you need to change their mind before they write an offer with concrete stuff, because now yeah, you're not yeah. in commission breath. You're just, you're an educator. Yes. You have that opportunity. You show a few houses and now you can educate them. So the, um, one of the things that we showcased this week in our team meeting was how to take a screen capture and write on that screen capture so that you can point out the things like the average list to sale price is 103%. And not just giving them a whole big data. And why we're having a podcast is because people still didn't know how to take a screen capture. And therefore, we know they weren't selling with pictures. Right. Right. Because you have to, you know, it's, you they're hotkeys, right? Like uh, Windows Shift S or um, I think it's Command Shift 4 for an Apple. Yeah. Right. Like, I'm not really familiar with it. <laughs> yeah. I take a lot. I got to give Adam credit because he, I was always the Mac guy. Right. And so then when I started using the PC, he's like, Windows Shift S, bro. And I'm like, uh, Windows Shift S, okay. And I tried it. And I'm like, that's amazing. And then and, and I went back to him like well, a week edit, later. The editor tool is different. A week yeah. later, I went back to him and I was like, hey, what was it again? <laughs> Windows Shift S. All right, that's right. Windows yeah. Shift S. All right, Jeff, we got through all five. Hey, guys. Yes. Yes, Mike. Hey, guys. What's up, Mike? Hey, one thing I'd like to interject is number five here. I think you guys are too late to the game. Educating the buyer should start at your buyer broker introduction interview and throughout your process of working with that buyer, constantly feed them the information of your charts, of the direction of the market. The market's a localized market. It's not a national market. You know, we're micro, microeconomics, not macroeconomics. And so when you're, then when you're ready to write the contract, they understand the direction this market's going or has been going. And then you. you finalize that with your refined comps. You don't send them a hundred comps for mass confusion. You send them the comps that are market specific to that home itself. And then you review those listing by listing with the buyer and showing how much over list price they got and what the market expectation may be. That's just my opinion. I no, love you. We love your you're, opinion. You're, you're actually right. You're just spot because on. Because it was number five, though, didn't mean that we talk about it later. These are just the five points before for any agent moving forward. But thank you. We, right. We, 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 I want to reemphasize that number five is educating consumer pre offer. Like, you're right, Mike. This is, this is all before they get excited about a house. This is when you first have your consultation with them or on the first couple properties yeah, that you look at. I, I suggested at the first meeting. Yeah. Right. Like the first time you ever meet them is when you should be presenting market shots. I think that was Michael's Levinson yeah. saying and great job, great call out because he's right. It's it's right away I, because it was number five. He, it he made, really, yeah. Well, you can also what you can also do is invite your client to a specific time at your office to meet you when you do your Zoom, Zoom meeting with Tina Tambor or the Crawford report. No one puts the market in perspective as well as she does. And she backs up with all the statistics. So if, you're, if your client's sitting in your office with you and you're spending the time with them, hey, let's come in the office, 
you know, Tina Tambour knocks out of the park. It's important information. I want you to make sure you're aware of it. Have them come to your office and watch Tina's presentation. She does them every week, twice a week. They're so easy to get into. And that's another way to present the market direction with Next a third level. party. Yeah, we're talking the same thing. I mean, Next the thing level. is, is we, we in the, today's market, we're just not seeing clients come to the office. I mean, we're having to do it at houses, on cars, on the presentation of the market has to be mobile with you. I think that, you know, we, we print out the charts and, or have the agents try and print up charts, take them with them because that's what is needed. But great point, Michael. Awesome. What else? Eric, you got any, you got two cents? Suzette, you want to chime in as well? What are you guys doing? Oh yeah, 143. We got two more minutes. As I'm watching their unmute buttons not right, get I've got another I got another tidbit for you guys. I love it. Let's go. Is have your agents write detailed email cover letters with the offer because you may only get that one time to present your offer. So oh, so what yes. if you're wave, so what if you're waving the appraisal or waving 20 grand up to the appraisal? Well, what about including what about including a proof of fund statement with that offer package showing your buyer has the legs? But yes. right in the in the cover letter, hey, the team I work with, the title company, the lender, will all be there to close the escrow with you. Please reach out and contact the lender who's easily accessible yeah. to talk about the qualifications of the buyer. We will be there to close escrow. Use that language in writing in your email to grab their attention. What I get on my listings from half the agents out there, I get forwarded the AuthentiSign thing. Then I got to open the AuthentiSign, scroll to page nine to find out who emailed me that. You know, yeah. how personal How personal is that? Awesome. And you know, that's got to be a super strong offer in order to get your attention if you're delivering it that way. I know, but I you agree. know, is that the agent you want to be working with? Really? Well, you know, somebody that's going to communicate with you. And number be one, there right? Like agent, yeah. agent, agent communication. One. When their communication's poor, you may not want to work with them. And All you right. know it's not. You know one you more thing, guys. Having a seller re-update the SPDS, man, that's weak. That's something you throw at a new agent. They don't have to update the SPDS. The disclosure, the updated disclosure is the inspection itself. So it's kind of underhanded taking advantage of that naive agent who thinks, oh, yeah, I need to have my seller update the SPDS. No, they don't. The no. disclosure is the inspection itself. Yeah, I think that the, if you need to extend the days by five, the, the better way to do it, I don't know, you, I'd, we love, to just, hear, I'd we, love to hear we, your we, take. We, we the better talking. way to do it is to give them a binzer that you know they're not going to say yes to. Right. Because then you get an extra five days if they respond to you immediately. Right? To decide or requesting whether- it or request. The better way is just simply request an extension of the Binzer inspection period for various reasons. If you don't Fair. get it, then cancel. If your directions is canceled, then cancel. Fair. You know, but, but yeah. try to get an extension first. Yes. Agreed. Totally my, agree. My two cents from this veteran, right? I no, know. I like the two cents. It's good. I mean, we were trying to stick the top five. We got six and seven. I completely look, agree with Mike, seven. Mike, yeah. So he was uh, an agent at the Lakeshore office. John Hall and Associates. He was there. He was there in my beginning. Nice. Right, nice. Mike? Exactly. Exactly. No, <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for your feedback. Your content is great, guys. That's why I tune in and listen to you because we can always pick up extra Thank nuggets you. to help us in the business. You guys are great. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. Thank we you. We are going to wrap it up. Thanks for everybody for tuning in. Happy Thursday. See you in a week. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care.